3: Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go to source for all things movies. I'm your host, Mike. I'm just a guy who loves movies, so I have my own podcast where that's all I do. I do interviews with actors, directors, and sometimes just come on here and talk about my favorite movie topics. And this week, I'm feeling pretty nostalgic after watching the brand new Space Jam movie, which I'll give my full review of that later, but I just wanted to share with you guys my top five movies from when I was a kid, and I'll explain why those made my list. We'll talk about the new Space Jam. I also watched the Quiet Place 2 on Paramount+. Plus. So we have a lot of movie talk to get to on this episode. Really means the world to me. If you're subscribed to this podcast, listen every single week. Without any further ado, let's get started.
1: In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDB with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast.
3: So the question is, what is your favorite movie from your childhood? I put this question out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And when I went to sit down and make my list, I had some criteria going into it. First of all, I didn't want it to be an entirely Disney list. I think a lot of us just associate Disney with our childhood. I have Disney movies on my list, but I don't have any animated Disney movies. So none of those classic ones will make the list. I think those are in a category entirely on their own. So you won't see any of those on my list. The other thing for me was the rewatchability of these movies as a kid. I'm only putting myself into perspective as when I was a kid watching these movies and the movie that I would go to, grab the VHS tape and put it in the VHS player. These are all movies that kind of built my childhood from that. These are all kind of movies that I associate with that memory. If you don't remember what a VHS tape is, it's basically a big old black square you would put into another big black square. Press play on it. Sometimes you'd have to rewind it. Sometimes the picture was a little bit fuzzy, but for some reason it was the best way to watch movies as a kid. Something about the hum of that sound when you would press play it gave it a different little feel. And the other criteria I had when making this list are what movies would I want to share with my kids later on down the line? Like these are movies, like, all right, these are the ones that were important to me as a kid. I at least want you to give them a shot and watch them. And then finally, the most rewatchable ones, the movies I just went back to, and would even watch as an adult. Sometimes they don't have to hold up and that's okay, which we'll find out later which one of these doesn't. And also remember that I was born in the 90s. I was born in 1991. So a lot of these movies are gonna be very formative of those years of the new movies coming out around that time. Not to say I didn't watch movies from the 80s or 70s, but there's just something about watching new movies when you're a kid that really means something. All right, the stage is set. Let's get started first with number five. I went with Angels in the Outfield, which is actually a Disney movie, but doesn't really feel like a Disney movie. It's more like just a good, fun summer movie about baseball. But there's a deeper meaning there. And as a kid, this movie resonated with me for a couple reasons. One, because the kids in the movie aren't very well off. They're foster kids. And I think for me, at that time, seeing a different perspective of a different life Was refreshing to me because I would watch a lot of movies and they would live in really big houses, really nice houses, nice neighborhoods, suburban homes, stuff like that, that I just never really identified with. And then when it came to Angels in the Outfield, it starts with them sneaking to watch a baseball game by sitting up in a tree and watching it for free and then getting caught. And then they go back to their home where they live in a mobile home with the foster parent and it's the struggles of them just living together and you know having to move around a bunch not having family or having family that's there but not really there it's just a lot of struggles that go into a Disney movie that you don't really expect but not only that it's a fun movie if you're not familiar with the plot it's basically about the Angels the baseball team trying to get back to winning and they're a terrible team. And then through the help of actual angels helping them out, whether it be helping them make plays or pitch faster, things like that, they're able to make it to the World Series. And it has a pretty stacked cast. You have a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, a Matthew McConaughey cameo that I think he barely remembers actually being in this movie, Danny Glover, and then Tony Danza. So there's a lot going on in this movie. And as a kid, I just remember it being one of my favorites, a scene that even my mom could quote when the guy who's taking care of the kids, who's kind of helping them be the mascot for the team, sits on a a thing of nachos, and they call him Nacho Butt. There's just like a lot of things from this movie that stick out to me. As being a great memory and just a movie I loved as a kid, and even now, I think this one still holds up. It's a great story, great message, a lot of comedy, also with some heart. So number five easily goes to Angels in the Outfield. Moving on to number four is a movie that probably couldn't be made today, and it's called So If you're not familiar with this movie, it's basically about a bunch of young adolescent kids going to fat camp. And you couldn't make that movie today. But again, like Angels in the Outfield, it was me for the first time seeing like, oh, There's a husky kid who looks like me. None of these kids look like they should be in a movie. Or who's to say who should be in a movie and who shouldn't? Like, what kind of kids? And for me, that was always a struggle. Like, man, from when I was probably in, like, fourth grade to the rest of my adult life, I was a bigger kid. And there was a struggle of, like, not looking like all the other kids, having to shop in the different section of the Walmart to get husky jeans. And not only that, of always looking like, man... I'm not as athletic as other kids feeling like I couldn't do things that other people could do. And like, just that your weight was always kind of the main hurdle you had to get over and then take a movie like heavyweights. And that whole kind of concept is the whole tables are turned where those kids are the cool kids now, because everybody here looks like them goes through the same things that they do experience all the same bullying. They probably do at their normal schools, but here they're cool and here they're able to be themselves without the judgment of others And it almost doesn't feel like a kid's movie at all with the cursing, the farting, the overall plot of it. It's on that fine line of like a kid slash teen movie. But again, a movie you couldn't make today. But if you're someone like me who grew up with those kind of struggles and just wanted to see somebody have fun who looks like you on the big screen, this is the perfect movie for that. A lot of memorable quotes, a lot of memorable scenes. And as a kid, I wanted nothing more than to go to summer camp, which I never did, but go and jump on the blob. So at number four, giving it to heavyweights. At number three, I went with a movie from 1998 called Small Soldiers, which you can actually watch for free if you have Pluto TV, which is a free app that has very limited TV shows, very limited movies, but I actually watched it pretty recently and... I gotta say, I still like this movie. It has uh, Kirsten Dunst, Tommy Lee Jones as the voice of Chip Hazard, Phil Hartman, who is one of my favorite actors from the 90s. He voiced a lot of characters on The Simpsons, but I loved also his roles in this movie, Turbo Man. Really funny guy. You also have Jay Moore, David Cross, Dennis Leary. It's a very 90s cast, I would say. And the movie has an utterly ridiculous plot, but I loved it as a kid. It's basically like toy story but in real life and the toys are bad if you're not familiar with this movie basically they are trying to make the next big toy and at this time in the 90s which i remember toys keep getting cooler and cooler once technology started getting put into them you have the tickle me elmo but this is basically a tickle me elmo on steroids where they put a military chip inside of a kid's toy somehow it was never tested and they sent all these toys out The chip was too advanced and they started basically terrorizing everybody around them because they thought they were actually in war and actually meant to not only annihilate the other toys, but also take it out on humans as well. And I think this embodies what I loved about 90s movies, that the plots could be this ridiculous and we would love them no matter what. I feel in some ways that kids movies now have been a little bit watered down because they're just trying to do what works. This movie was very rewatchable for me as a kid. I loved the toys that came out. Burger King did a promotion with them when this movie was out. So overall, this just has a lot of great memories for me. Had to put it at number three. At number two, I'm going to go with Space Jam, which I'll get into talking about the new Space Jam later. But I want to talk about why the first one was so beloved, And I want to talk about the new Space Jam later, but I wanted to talk about the original first mainly because a lot of the criticism I've seen online is comparing it to the original. So I wanted to first kind of revisit this movie and I rewatched it to see how it compares to the new one. So I'm just going to talk about the first one now. And I got to admit, rewatching this movie, it doesn't hold up as much as you'd think. I think in 1996 when this came out, I was five years old. And seeing this for the very first time, it looked like something completely new to me. And it was seeing the Looney Tunes, which I was familiar with a little bit. I mean, I think at some point we all probably watch at least a few <laughs> Looney Tunes cartoons or we're just aware of Bugs Bunny as an entity. I think now it's a little bit changed and I'll get into kind of how this new movie has reintroduced the characters. But I think at that time... It was the idea of taking something so popular with the Looney Tunes and combining it with a whole different set of pop culture and sports. Taking two worlds completely different and putting them together in one movie with arguably the most recognizable athlete at that time and probably of all time really. You put them together and it worked. But what it really worked for was for kids. And that's what exactly what this movie was made to do. And in all the ways I felt this movie felt very 90s. And just something we cherished a lot because we associated it with growing up at that time. So we have that memory in our heads. But going back and watching it now over the weekend... I gotta say, it's not as great as you really remember. It's just as ridiculous as the plot of the new one. And even though now this one is held like, oh, we all remember Space Jam and how great it was. When it came out back in the day, it kind of got the same crap that the one did now. Like, everybody was like, this is ridiculous. Why are you putting Michael Jordan and have him act like he shouldn't be acting? It got bad reviews then. Just over time... We look back at movies that were popular when we were kids and 10 years later, you forget about that. You just remember the good memories associated with it. And what's old now is your favorite because you remember it as a kid. I think maybe the thing that stuck out with me is that it wasn't as funny as I remembered it being as a kid. Like there's some jokes that I still found funny now, but a lot of it, I think it fell a little bit flat. And maybe it was that I was kind of battling the technology that was out at that time of taking the live action actors and blending them with the animated characters. Like it's a totally blended movie. And for me, that was very apparent while watching the original Space Jam. I think what I did end up loving about it and wish that the new one had more of, was of the feeling that it felt like a movie in its entirety. From beginning to end, it really felt like a complete piece. And I also just loved, not so much the Looney Tunes humor now as an adult, but like Bill Murray in it. And the kind of inside jokes he would probably only get as an adult at that time, whether it be like the Ghostbusters references, where he references the wrong Ghostbuster when seeing Bill Murray, but also just the kind of even more inside thing of that the person who made the first Space Jam was also the person who worked on Ghostbusters. So that's how they had that relationship. So if you're wondering why Bill Murray is even in Space Jam, that's why. There's a lot of hidden layers inside this movie. And I also just kind of love the story more about why they decided to play this game of basketball. Which in the first one, the whole thing is that the aliens are in search of new attractions for this theme park in another planet. They come to Earth and want to take the Looney Tunes and take them back to their planet to get people to come to their theme park. But they're like, okay... We have to challenge you to something. You guys are short, can't jump. So we challenge you to a basketball game. And then they go and take the NBA players talent and come back and challenge the Looney Tunes as ripped up monsters who are towering over them. So that's I think I love that more about the original Space Jam but then when I talk about Space Jam the new one later I'll explain how they differ but still as a kid this was one of my favorite movies and I think one that among my family and friends at that time when it came out we all wanted to watch Space Jam and seeing how beloved it still is now I had to put this one at number two and at number one I feel like Robin Williams was one of the most consistent actors of the 90s, and he's really underrated for that, whether it be his more serious roles, but really just his work in children's movies and doing family movies. He was a treasure in the 90s, and there was everything from Aladdin to what I put at number one was Jumanji. I think as a kid, this movie had everything in it that I wanted. It had the overall lesson that you learn about family and a relationship with your parents, In particular, in this one with your father, it had the big action adventure, the special effects, and overall, it just feels like an exciting experience from start to finish. And no matter at what point this would be on TV or if my friend was watching it on VHS, I would sit down and watch Jumanji. It's in memes now. There's so many things that have kind of stood the test of time from this movie. And I think a lot of that is owed to Robin Williams, his amazing performance in that. And also, Kirsten Dunst makes another appearance in this list. And I feel like this just kind of embodies of the movies you want to watch as a kid. And you probably wouldn't go back and watch the original Jumanji now. And it's also kind of like Space Jam and had the revamp treatment, which they take the original concept and kind of make it more modern that kids would like today, which I, I kind of feel like I have a problem with now that I think about it because they take this original Jumanji movie, which is a board game, and now it's a video game. And I don't want to sound like old cranky movie critic here, like, oh, they should just keep it how it was in the original one. I just think that's a little, like, lazy of a of a transition. Like, okay, we'll, we'll just make it a video game and kids will love it. Just say the word Fortnite and it's a hit. <laughs> I think you just got to give kids a little bit more credit now. They do want something that they relate to but I do think that's just a little bit of an easy pick I do have the top five from everybody who voted on Instagram Twitter and Facebook and number five was The Breakfast Club which came out in the 80s which is a little bit before me but a movie I probably watched later as like a teenager so I don't really associate that one so much with my childhood but a great movie nonetheless and number four was The Parent Trap Was surprised to see a lot of people loving The Parent Trap, the one with Lindsay Lohan, that is. I highly associate that with the movie that whenever your teacher wheeled in the big old TV tube set with the attached VCR cart, like that whole situation that happened as a kid. Like, I highly associate The Parent Trap with those kind of days at school. So a great pick with The Parent Trap. At number three was The Little Mermaid which I was a little bit surprised by just because when I associate movies from my childhood and Disney movies, The Little Mermaid really doesn't come to mind. I don't even think that's in like my top 10 favorite Disney movies. Although I did see that they did finish production and filming on the new live action. And I'm saying that in air quotes, uh, Disney movie of The Little Mermaid. So I'm a little bit curious to see about that, but I can't say that there's one live action Disney movie that I've really loved. And speaking of that, at number two was Aladdin. Again, just not another one of my favorite Disney movies. Wouldn't even make my top 10. But a lot of you who voted went with that one. And at number one, the one I had the most comments and responses about was The Goonies, which was probably pretty close to making it on my list. Some honorable mentions were Blank Check, Liar Liar, Casper, which was another movie I had on VHS tape that I watched way more times than I probably should have and know a lot of quotes about that one. Also from 1996, I love Jack with Robin Williams. Again, just had to mention him again on this list. Of course, The Sandlot, which I kind of feel like falls more into like the best sports movies. But overall, just a great summer kids movie. And then another one was Matilda. So that's the list. Appreciate everybody for sending in your picks on those. If you ever want to get in on a movie topic, all you have to do is follow me on one of the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all just at Mike Distro. Or send me an email, moviemiked at gmail.com.
1: Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online.
3: About to get into a spoiler free review of Space Jam, A New Legacy. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, here's just a little bit of that now.
0: What brings you to Tone Wanda? The computer dude kidnapped my son. What in the Matrix hell? Hey, what'd you do to my son? The only way you're getting your son back
3: is if you and I play a little
0: basketball. You want to play me in basketball? Mm, I need to assemble an elite team.
1: You need a dream team. Wink. I'll take it from here. Bam, shoot the ball.
0: So mixed
3: reviews all over the place for Space Jam. It stars LeBron James, Don Cheadle, but most importantly Bugs Bunny. So first of all, let's talk about the overall plot and how it differs from the original Space Jam. Now, I was talking about earlier. The original Space Jam really only holds up and we only hold it to such a high regard if you even say that is because we remember it more as kids. So going into this review, know that I'm fully aware that I'm a 30-year-old guy reviewing a movie meant for kids. That's not lost on me. So I'm going to take it into consideration that this movie is not entirely meant for me even though it's kind of marketed towards me because knowing that I watched it back when it came out in 1996 and the whole reason it really has interest... In so many adults now because it stars not only LeBron James, but it's a movie we associate with our childhood. So it feels a little bit like they're kind of messing with something. And we're going to be critical of it because we want it to have been done justice and not take away from the memories we associate with the original one. So I'm fully aware of that, that this is a movie meant for kids, but adults are going to watch. And I had to kind of watch it with how just overall entertaining is it and how much does it hold up as a movie on its own? So how this movie kind of differs from the original Space Jam, it's really kind of the same thing. Overall, the same plot, just kind of done in a different way. This one deals more with LeBron James and his son kind of battling out. His son wants to be a video game developer and build his own video game, but LeBron James, being the super megastar basketball player that he is, wants his son to work hard at basketball. His son has designed a game at such a young age that... I was kind of having this discussion and wondering this now is like, I think video games are kind of viewed as like, Oh, you're just wasting your time on video games. You should be going out and doing something physical as a kid. But I kind of see it now as like, you know, video games have a whole kind of different culture now. And there's so much you can do with video games and they're way more advanced than back when we were younger and kids of like, It was just Nintendo, but now they're so advanced that you can program your own and design these video games and use different parts of your brain. And it's not just associated with just hanging out in your room doing nothing. There's really something that comes from being into video games now. So I think that's kind of what this movie tried to tackle on of like, okay, there's a whole different culture here now. And I think overall the message it had with that was actually really good. So I like the story. That they approached it with I still think I like the original concept better because it being such a ridiculous movie concept of you know Looney Tunes having to get a basketball player from the NBA to play a game with them against some other squad I kind of like the original premise better than this one but I was for it I think now in today's world it works so I didn't see a problem with that and I think one of the main things that people got from maybe the first 20 minutes of this movie, which I always reference the first 20 minutes of every movie, because I feel like that is the most crucial time to a movie. Within the first 20 minutes, you can tell whether it's going to be great, whether it's going to be good, or whether it's going to be terrible. In that window it's kind of when you have me as a viewer, really anybody, time to grab their attention. And if you're going to be able to keep it through the entire hour and a half, two hours, whatever it may be, if you don't have me within those first 20 minutes, I'm out like I'm already downgrading to a three if you don't have me at that point but what I feel a lot of people said about this movie and again I won't spoil anything but a lot of the things I saw online and even me watching this it felt a little bit like an ad for Warner Brothers now I love Warner Brothers and if you're going to do a major flex of all the content you have especially right now at a time when hbo max is out you're wanting people to subscribe to this service i didn't go to the theaters to watch this i watched this on hbo max so i'm watching space jam new legacy and then i'm also reminded of oh warner brothers also has game of thrones with rick and morty scooby doo the iron giant harry potter all of these warner brothers titles. And other superheroes even like Batman, Superman. It's all kind of showcased in those first 20 minutes. Not only that, you have Warner Brothers logo slapped on literally everything. And it's kind of thrown in your face a little bit. And I didn't really have so much a problem with it that to me it was distracting. I thought it was kind of cool there was cameos from Rick and Morty. Things going on in the background. And especially when you're introducing the Looney Tunes, which really haven't been relevant since the 90s, Like to be honest. I think having those other elements gave it something fun to watch, to go look in the background, see what's all happening, and just kind of see these little cameos. I don't think it took away from anything. I think people overall, and myself included, just don't like being advertised to. And we don't like to know we're being advertised to. But if you look at the original Space Jam, there's advertising all over that movie. There's product placement, things that get referenced, like Gatorade, McDonald's, all these things get referenced in that movie. But you don't realize it. It's a little more subtle. I felt like Warner Brothers was doing a little bit of a flex here of like, these are all the titles we have. We're going to showcase them all in this movie. To remind you, wherever you're watching this, you should probably go watch another (laughs) Warner Brothers movie. I don't really hate on them for that. I honestly think it was more of like trying to create a fun element and bring all these characters into a world where they all exist and no point were they trying to get you to sign up for HBO Max. So the only criticism I think I had with that process is I felt it took a little bit away from it feeling like a movie. It took a little bit away from like the overall cinematic feel for me. It almost felt like at the beginning I was watching a random sketch that didn't fit with the entire movie. I think actually once they got to the actual basketball game itself, it got a little bit more entertaining, which this movie took a lot longer to get to that actual game than the original one did, which I think that lost a little bit of me. And you're having to watch LeBron James try and act. And I was curious to see that him in a leading role... And I really felt like it wasn't there. I don't know what I expected. It's not like Michael Jordan did a really great acting job in the original one. He's not a stellar actor. They even kind of make fun of it at the beginning of like, you know, nobody wants to see an athlete act. And I think overall, it's just kind of the novelty of having him there. He's very self-aware in the movie, but I gotta say, it was a little bit distracting for me. I almost felt like in my head, I could hear what direction the director was giving lebron james like all right i need you to have a serious look now all right now hit me with the confused look and he's i i can just see that kind of like a choppy performance of like him having this subtle direction for every single action he made every single line he delivered felt like he had been fed the line that was just a little bit distracting for me And if you watch it, you kind of feel like he doesn't really have a pace in the movie. He's basically line for line. And that's just because he's not an actor. He's an NBA champion. He is not an Oscar-winning actor. Nor is this movie trying to be at that level. Which I think is what a lot of people forget about. This movie was made for kids now. The same way I watched it, we all watched it in 1996. There's some five-year-old kid now watching this and thinking it's the greatest thing ever. They're also being introduced to the Looney Tunes for the very first time. Which, they're really even before our lifetime. Like, old classic Looney Tunes cartoons go way back. And after Space Jam, they never really succeeded again at the box office. They did another kind of live action, half animated, half... Real life actor movie with Brendan Fraser where they tried to bring back to Looney Tunes again and it didn't really work. And they've also just tried to do different kind of sequels to this. There's been other speculation of other people doing Space Jam 2. They've tried to do it with other sports, but we've had to wait 25 years to get this version. And I don't think this movie will really open up any other possibilities for Looney Tunes spinoffs. Because I don't really think that they were the stars of this movie, to be honest. I also wasn't really in love with the voice of Bugs Bunny in this. And I found a, a little bit of a lackluster Bugs Bunny. That's just me being overcritical at that point. I did, however, like once they actually got to the game and the action inside of it. It was a fun different spin of it being not just a full on basketball game. And it being actually the video game that LeBron's son in the movie created. So that, I think, was a fun element to it. I just think it got there a little bit too late. With that said, I don't think this movie was for me. But I also don't feel like it dishonored anything or takes anything away from the original Space Jam. I think it's just trying to introduce this to kids now. I get it. It's a kids movie. Critics are going to rip it to shreds. One, because I think you kind of want to rip LeBron James to shreds. I have no beef with the guy. I don't really care. I didn't really expect him to give a stellar performance. If he would have, I think it would have elevated the movie a little bit more. But I don't feel the need to rip this movie just because I don't like him. Or want to be like, haha, you finally fail at something. You can't do movies. Go back to playing basketball. No, I think he did exactly what he was supposed to do in this movie be the big name, be the reason that people are going to watch this movie. I do think at one point, I probably said this is the dumbest thing I ever saw, but that's fine. Overall, I would give this movie 2.5 Porky Pigs. With Space Jam being one of my favorite movies as a kid, I was going to watch it no matter what, Will I be dying to go re-watch it or show it to like my kids later on in life? Probably not. I'll probably show them the original one. But if a kid now watches this movie, wants to go back and watch the original one, wants to get into the Looney Tunes, I'm all for it. It's not a bad movie. It does exactly what it was supposed to do. It's just not for me, and I can admit that. I'll get into the box office stuff with it later, but that's my thoughts on the new Space Jam. Let's keep the theme of sequels now. I just watched The Quiet Place 2, which is available on Paramount+, Plus, the new streaming service. If you don't have that yet, I think it's probably one of the cheapest streaming services you can get right now. Not a whole lot of new movies and content on there right now. A lot of 90s nostalgia if you love Nickelodeon. And the reason I kind of got in on this one early is because they have some of the Paramount movies 40 days after they're in theaters. So I wanted to wait to watch A Quiet Place 2 because it was one of the biggest titles that they were kind of boasting they were going to have. So kind of along the lines of Space Jam when it came to this sequel, it's a lot of the same of the original Quiet Place. I won't ruin anything that happens in that movie with this one if you haven't seen that one because it was still fairly recent. But just know that if you've seen the first one and going into watching 2... You do have to see that one, first of all, but I felt like it was basically the same movie again with a bit of addition to it. Now, in this case, more of the same, I think, was actually pretty good because now in part two, you already have that original story established. You know the monsters in the movie, you know what you have to do to fight them, and I think they kind of had... The exact same plot kind of in this one, but I think it still works. What I did like about the sequel is that they kind of give some backstory to what happened when all of this started. So the very first scene that's featured a lot in the trailer, you actually see John Krasinski, his family at the very start, day one, when these monsters came to Earth. And you learn that whole story. And what I found interesting about this one is that part two starts Right after the first one, like immediately the next day is where this one takes place. I thought that was a really cool kind of effect of it really feeling like the continuation of that movie. So you kind of just hop into the action right away. And this one, I felt, even with the kind of introduction to how it originally happened, it started with action from the very start. And it also felt a lot scarier to me because to me, the first one didn't feel like a full-on horror movie. I felt it was a lot more suspense And I'm not really freaked out by big monster creatures like that. I don't find those scary. It just had the overall tension and action. I didn't really consider that one a horror movie. But within watching this one, there were some moments in it that were kind of hard to watch because of how kind of violent a little bit and how gruesome and how real it was. So I really like that aspect of A Quiet Place and the way they're also able to create these monsters, which I was talking about. The Tomorrow War, uh, maybe an episode ago, and giving the review of that of how they overfeatured the monsters. Which I think, in a really great monster movie, you're really not supposed to get all of the monster until like the final showdown. You get the glimpses here and there, but overall, when you're able to build that tension and have us as the audience members wanting to see more of them, that is really when you're able to create a great monster movie. So I think a quiet place too. Did that pretty well. You do get a little bit more of action and kind of seeing the creatures more. But they keep that suspense of like, all right, when are they going to show them again? And what's going to happen? So I think the way this one succeeded as a sequel is it gave us exactly kind of what we got out of the first one. But aside from that, I don't think like they added enough to make this movie different. My only issue was that there was nothing that kind of stood out that made this movie different than the first one. I felt like you put them side to side, kind of the same plot line, kind of the same whole situation. There wasn't a whole lot more to explore. But again, they create such great action that it still works. I just think there was nothing new learned. And there was never a moment in the movie that I was really hyped up to like see what happens. I kind of knew where it was going, a little bit predictable. And by the time it was over, I was like, all right, that was cool. I'm not really interested to see A Quiet Place 3. So that was my only issue with this one. Nothing bad about it, I just wanted a little bit more. So if I had to give it a rating, I would give it a 3.75 out of five radio waves. If you like the first one, you'll for sure like this one. And now that they're both out, and if you have Paramount+, Plus, you can start number one and then go right into part two. And it'll basically feel like you're binge watching an entire series at once. All right, just a quick bit of movie news this week. I really like looking at the box office now that movies are back and making money again. I think that's really exciting for me to see. And the most interesting thing about Over the Weekend, I don't think it was really expected that Space Jam would come in at number one. Now, it came in with $32 million, taking the number one spot from Black Widow, which that movie declined in 80% ticket sales that's a lot like that's that's a big drop so that came in at number two with 24.6 million and then at number three the biggest movie right now is escape room tournament of champions which only made 3.8 million so basically you have two movies at the top and then one down there at number three i just found it interesting not only that it was able to beat out black widow but that black widow jumped down so much i don't know if that's attributed to The fact that maybe more people are watching it on Disney Plus now, the mixed reviews it kind of got, which I still stand by loving that movie. And even at 32 million, that's not really a huge blockbuster to have a number one spot. That's just a huge decline from last week's number one spot to now, like the highest earning movie is only making $32 million, which before a movie really wasn't considered a blockbuster until it made $50 million, at least. And if you're curious and wanted to compare this to the original Space Jam, when that came out, that made $27.5 million. So on paper, Space Jam 2, doing better than the original. The other piece of movie news that I'm excited about, and I get mm, any single chance that I get to talk about this movie, I will until it comes out. Because I think maybe one of my dream goals from this podcast is to be able to interview somebody from this movie. And it's that Jackass 4 now has an official title. It is called Jackass Forever. That comes out on October 22nd. They also have an Instagram now, which is at Jackass, which the full trailer comes out on Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this. But on Tuesday, July 20th, we'll get the first glimpse of actually what they've been up to. The movie's not done yet, but it's has me excited just all the promotion they're already doing for this. And I would I think my ultimate goal is to be able to meet and interview johnny knoxville at some point who's been my hero since i was a kid probably who has been my hero since i was a kid i've been able to meet steve-o before actually one time i was leaving a movie in nashville walked out of the movie theater and i saw steve-o went up to him asked him for a selfie got a picture with him and i had just gone to see his comedy show the night before so he's basically just hanging out in town went to a movie and that's how i met him but it's the final jackass movie and i would love nothing more than to get to talk to one of them about making this movie and what's going to happen to them all after this is said and done. But anyway, that's it for movie news. And for my shadow of the week, I just wanted to shout out every single person listening to this right now. Uh, I built this pod. I started this podcast about a year and a half ago and I was looking and I just realized that it's made the top five podcasts here on our Nashville podcast network, which means a lot to me. One, that's something that I'm passionate about resonates with anybody. I just love movies. I've been reviewing movies for like 10 years now and I just started it basically on Snapchat then moved to Instagram and then realized maybe I could do a podcast about this and I've kind of learned a lot about myself from doing this podcast and how I communicate things. I try to get better every single episode so especially everybody who's been with me from the very first episode to now. I feel like we've all grown through this and that there's so many people now that send me messages and you guys are like, you know, I listen every single week. I watch the recommendations you give. Sometimes I don't always agree with your opinions, but I listen anyway. Like all those messages really mean a lot to me. And the fact that now it kind of reflects in the podcast growing in downloads and streams and all that, which I try not to over-focus on, but to see it kind of get up there now and be a little bit of something now means a lot to me. And that's all because of you guys. So Appreciate all of you for listening, being subscribed, for telling people about this podcast, for tagging it on Instagram and getting the word out there. It really means a lot to me. So just can't thank you enough. Appreciate all the love. And I will talk to you guys next Monday here on the podcast. And until then, later.
0: A new season of Bridgerton is here.